One of our goals in the spiritual life is when we hear sacred scripture, not to hear it as something that happened a long time ago to somebody else as sort of a trivial piece of history, but how this applies to my life right here and right now. Right? It doesn't profit us much to hear Jesus say that the greatest law is to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, mind and say, oh yeah, that was good. That's probably what that guy needed to hear if we don't say, oh yeah, Lord, where do I fail in loving you? Do I fail in heart? Do I fail in soul? Do I fail in mind? That's, that's where we want to go. Uh, how do I fail in loving my neighbor? Or similarly, when we hear this reading from St. Paul, which can sound very just, just historical and mundane, and say, it's like, he's telling the Thessalonians, wow, you know, what I tell people about you is that you turned from idols to follow the true and living God. We can say, well, that's a nice piece of, of history. Or we can say, Lord, what are the idols in my life? What are the idols that I need to turn away from? Now, well, we're, we're modern Americans. We don't have idols, right? We don't have little gods that we bow down and worship. But we have idols nonetheless, don't we? This is how a uh, famous uh, Bible pastor, uh, Tim Keller, would define an idol. He said, an idol is anything more important to you than God. An idol is anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. An idol is anything you seek to give you what only God can give. When we define an idol like that, I think I have a lot of them. And I've been praying this week as I've been praying with the readings and and, uh, looking at this and myself, like, Lord, show me my idols. And I've been praying the same thing, that he'll show you your idols. And I pray that he'll show them to you right now. What are the idols in our life? Because our idols are the things that keep us bound. And the Lord wants us to be detached from them so that we can experience freedom. So what are these idols? Well, it can be almost anything. And it could be a good thing. An idol could be the person sitting next to you. The person sitting next to you is a good thing. But we can put too much weight on that relationship. We can put too much uh, weight on pleasing the other person or being pleased by them. That can be an idol in our life. What's What's the thing when you sit down to pray, what are the thoughts that distract you? Those might be the idols. Or... When you don't pray, I don't pray because, well, that might be the idol, the thing that kept you from praying, the thing that kept you from going to mass. We didn't go to mass because we were traveling. We had a sporting event. We were with family. Those might be your idols. We said, well, I don't love anything more than God. Well, you chose something over God. That's an idol. Our idols can be something, it can be a grudge, a grudge that we hold on to something. I'm, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to hold on to that because there's, there's something in it that it kind of, it kind of hits our, our, our fundamental identity, hits into pride and, and power. Like I'm going to hold on to that. I think an idol is anything that the Lord would say, I want that. I want you to give that to me. And we resist. I want you to give me that that grudge. I want you to give me that lack of forgiveness. 
I want, you, I want you to give me that activity that's taken way too much of your time. I want you to give that to me. I want you to pair back on that. Oh, I don't want to. It could be health, overemphasis on health, a fear of getting old, a fear of dying. It could be the way that other people think of you. I'm the fill in the blank. I'm the funny guy. I'm the really pretty lady. I'm the guy that has it all together. I'm the one who has all the answers. It could be your opinions of other people. Right? I I know I know the answers and they're wrong and I'm right and they're those are our idols. I think another way to to think of your idol is the, the thing that you have a really hard time saying no to. Like you, you say no, but then you do it anyway. Or you kind of realize like, I shouldn't do this, but I do it. That's what St. Paul says, right? I know the things that I shouldn't do and I do them anyway. St. Paul will say elsewhere to the Romans, he'll say, you were once in slavery to sin and bondage to the flesh. And now you've become slaves of God. Well, a slave has a slave-master relationship and the master, you can't say no to the master. And if it's sin, well, that's the thing I can't say no to. I want to say no to it, but I can't. And we want to break free from that master so that we can enslave ourselves to God because he's a good master. We want to get to a point in our faith life where we, we never say no to Jesus. That we have the freedom to say yes to him. I think this is one of the, one of the areas in our life that when we find ourselves going back to that, that same thing, that same sin or activity or the thing that we, we obsess about or worry about, we want to say no to it. But the reason why we can't say no to it is because we don't have a corresponding yes to fill in the void. If I say, I'm not going to watch TV anymore, but I'm sitting on the couch staring at the blank TV, well, eventually you're probably going to turn on the TV. If a couple's practicing natural family planning and they're like, now is not the right time, well, you sit there staring at each other for too long, I bet it's going to be the right time. What's the yes for your no? Because if we don't have a yes, we're just living in this void. I think the other, the other area in which we, we, where we don't do a good job at this is what we say when we go to confession. So a lot of us, we treat confession like it's like taking out the laundry. Well, I got to wear that shirt tomorrow, so I better put it in the wash because it's dirty. And then it's going to get dirty again. And that's just how it works. And I'll throw in the wash again. But we say in our act of contrition, I want to avoid the near occasion of sin. I want to avoid those things that even tempt me to sin. So we move the line back. Where's the line? I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, well, what's the thing before that that you have to avoid in order to not do that? Because if we think of it in the laundry mentality, again, this is that kind of transactional way of, of thinking about our relationship with the Lord. Oh yeah, I sin, I go to confession. But 
a relationship is I don't want to keep failing that person in the same way over and over and over again. I want to grow. I want to change. So what's the thing I need to do? So here's, here's an example, right? Take, take the cell phone. Well, there's nothing sinful about a cell phone, right? Well, yeah, but how many of you have confessed like, well, I watched way too many YouTube videos. I was scrolling on Facebook or Instagram for like 14 hours yesterday. I was looking at pornography. I, watched, I was reading the news and just getting so upset about everything that's going on in the, in the world. Okay, well, those things are the sins. Cell phone's not the sin, but the cell phone is the near occasion of sin. And you just said you were gonna get rid of the near occasion of sin. So why didn't you get rid of your cell phone? Because that's an idol. It's that thing like, well, I can't live without that. Okay. Well, then you found your idol. There's actually a a theological nuance that we don't talk about a whole lot, but I think it's actually really important. And it's the difference of the different, there's two different types of occasion of sin. There's a voluntary occasion of sin, that type of occasion of sin that I put myself into and I don't need to, and uh, a necessary occasion of sin. Necessary occasion of sin is the one that you're kind of stuck with, right? So, bless me, Father, I've sinned. I yelled at my kids. I snapped at my spouse. I was disobedient to my parents. Well, No confessor ever said, well, you know what you're gonna have to do? You're gonna have to get rid of your kids. That's that's the only way. You gotta avoid that near occasion of sin. So uh, one of the two of you, you or your wife's gotta move out, you know? Uh, Get rid of your parents. No, you you can't do that. It's a necessary occasion of sin. Those are the areas where the Lord says, I know you're in it and you gotta grow in this and you're, you're here. But there's a lot of voluntary occasions of sin. Those are the ones that we put ourselves into, right? So the cell phone, that's, that's one. I, I sinned by looking at pornography or scrolling Facebook for 14 hours or whatever else it was and did you get rid of it? No, I chose to continue to have that thing in my life. I fell into gossip again because every time I hang out with those friends, I fall into gossip, okay? Well, every time you put yourself in with those friends you're putting yourself into that occasion of sin that's a voluntary occasion of sin you're choosing to remain in that occasion and that's where if we want to be free if we want to be free of our idols that's where we got to start that's where we got to look that's where we got to we got to we got to say no so that we can be free and a, a good confessor will come to a point when he's working with somebody where he'll, he'll say, look, if you're not willing to get this thing out of your life, then I can't give you absolution. And that sounds hard, right? But it's for the good of the person to say, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, this is an idol in my life and I need to say no definitively and even to the occasion of sin so that I can be free. You know, a typical one would be something like, you know, a couple who's, you know, living together or something. They're not, they're not married. Are you, you come, you confess that. The priest says, are you going to separate? No, we're going to stay in that situation. 
Well, you're staying in that situation and continuing in that, in that activity, it's, it's not possible for me to give you absolution because you haven't showed, you haven't showed sor- sorrow, you haven't showed that you're willing to remove yourself from that occasion of sin. And a, a, a confessor could say the same thing when it, when it came to you know, uh, the de- devices that cause you to look at pornography or the friends that you, you keep or uh, we're using contraception, are you gonna stop using contraception? No, okay, well, you're staying in that, in that situation of sin, can't give you absolution. We found our idols. It can be a scary thing when the Lord shows us our idols. But the next thing we want to do is pray for the grace. And let's pray for the grace today. Lord, show us our idols. Give us the strength to say no to them. To turn away from them so we can turn to you, the true and living God. Because idols always lead to slavery, bondage, and death. And the living God always brings life. And so as we, as we turn our focus to the altar, let's literally turn ourselves to the living God. Let's leave our idols behind us. Let's say yes to him so we can say no to all that is not him. Leave, it, leave all, the, all the distractions, all the... All the uh, the fear, the envy, the hurt, the, the grudges, the, the, the sex, the power, the money, whatever it is. Let's leave it behind so we can live in him and be truly free.